You remember that old Coca-Cola commercial where they said, I'd like to teach so sing the world a song in three-part harmony? Well, today we're going to have the sermon in three kind of parts. One before the responsive reading and one before the psalm and, and a little after. So we hope it's all harmonious. We'll see. But first, let us pray for illumination. Come, Holy Spirit, our helper and advocate. Open our hearts and minds this day. Spark in us a word of life, a message that enables us to share Christ's love with others as we seek to live as faithful disciples. In Christ's name, amen. Well, usually when we come to the scripture reading, your role is basically to listen and for some to read along. But today, today we're going to read from Exodus together as printed on page 629 in your hymn book. Now you know that this format is called the responsive reading, but there was a fellow who worked on the farm for my father-in-law who used to call this the responsible reading. <laughs> Our reading comes from Exodus 20. It's familiar words known as the Ten Commandments. Well, it's sort of familiar. If you ask a whole lot of people if they know the Ten Commandments, you know what they'd say? Oh, yes, I love that Charlton Heston movie. Horton <laughs> <laughs> Roars, huh? Well, when studies have been done about religious literacy, name the Ten Commandments is one of the harder questions they ask. Uh, I saw a cartoon where one child says to another, I don't know all the Ten Commandments. The only ones I remember are settle down, act your age, and take that out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even though most people have not memorized all the Ten Commandments, they still have an impact. Dan Ariely is an author and Duke professor. He's a behavioral economist, and, you know, I'm a psychologist, and I can tell you the difference. It's about two or $300,000 a year. <laughs> He's a behavioral uh, economist. Well, in one of his experiments, he gave people a chance to cheat on the, on the experimental task. And they did. Well, given the chance, almost everybody cheated, some. But guess what? If first they said, name the Ten Commandments, even if they couldn't name a single one, they cheated less. Isn't that unusual? Just knowing that there are rules in life makes a difference in how we live. Well, long ago, the Ten Commandments may have been a little easier to remember because they were shorter. Uh, they're sometimes called the Decalogue, deca, from the Greek words, deca for ten, and words, log for words. So at one time, they may have been easier to remember as ten Hebrew words that spoke the heart of each commandment. And yeah, Sharon, I know that some of you know the hillbilly commandments too that are something similar you know number one was ain't but one god or then uh, another one was honor your ma and your pa well by the way that command to honor your parents if you read through the list you'll see it's the only one that comes with a promise well you may recall my telling you about a fellow who who had told me that he had lost a job along the way because of 
following one of the Ten Commandments. This man said he lost his job because as a Seventh-day Adventist, he would not work on Saturday. So, of course, I asked him, what would you do on Sunday? He said, oh, we don't work in either. I said, oh, you better go back and reread that thing because it says six days shalt thou labor. And most of us count yard work, housework, and, you know, carrying out the trash. So that's work too, right? Well, some people see the Ten Commandments as kind of an Old Testament thing, but I'll remind you that in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So now, responsively and responsibly, let us read from God's word as printed on page 629 in the hymn book. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our other scripture reading will be the 19th Psalm. Psalm 19 presents three ways of seeing God. In the first six verses, we see God in nature. God's awesome power is seen in nature. I saw another cartoon the other day where Dennis the Menace is looking up and said, you know, if heaven looks this good from 
down here, what do you think it looks like from up there? Well, the secondly, the, the verses 7 through 11, they describe how God is revealed in Scripture. There's a line in that Scripture about uh, laws, but it's, it's the Hebrew word there is Torah, which also means instruction or guidance. And then the last three verses, 12 through 14, God's grace is revealed through forgiveness and salvation. In that third section of the 19th Psalm, there are three requests, three pleas. First, clear me from my hidden faults. We don't know our own faults. We know some of them, but it's human nature to hide them from ourselves. People who know us well, our spouses, our children, our friends, they know them, but they know, or at least most of them know, we don't want it, really want to hear about them too much, do we? Nobody likes to have their shortcomings pointed out. The second plea is, keep me from the insolent. Don't let them have dominion over me. Nobody wants anybody to have dominion over them, do they? The third plea is, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. That third request is asking God, help me do what is pleasing to you. So listen now for the word of God in the 19th Psalm. The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork day to day, pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their own errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. What pleases God? Well, in churches around the world, before daring to speak, many, many preachers pray a version of that 14th verse of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. O Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. So what is acceptable? What is pleasing to God? Well, in the same chapter of Hebrews where faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the Apostle Paul also says, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. One sign that we're doing what pleases God is when we are at peace with all. In Proverbs, we read, when the ways of people please the Lord, he, he causes even their enemies to be at peace with them. Paul also wrote to the church in Rome, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And later in that 12th chapter of Romans, Paul also tells us more about how to avoid what he called being conformed to this world and how to renew our minds. He says to let, let our love be genuine, to hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. That's one of those tests where if we're about to do something or say something, is this loving this person with mutual affection? Outdo one another in showing honor. Usually we try to outdo, you know, like in those Christmas cards that basically say, my family is wonderful and exciting and successful and you should be very jealous. <laughs> Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. That's tough. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers. Well, finally, the other thing we know that pleases God is that when we do seek to follow those Ten Commandments. Now, I mentioned before a fellow I've met named Tom Long. He's a, he's a Presbyterian preacher at a Methodist seminary who says that most people cannot name all Ten Commandments, but they're persuaded that at the center of every commandment is a finger wagon, thou shalt not. No, no, no. For others, the Ten Commandments are heavy yokes to be publicly placed on the necks of a rebellious society. But I believe, I believe that the Ten Commandments tell us about relationships. The first four deal with our relationship with God. First being that God comes first. Secondly, that we are to worship the creator and not anything or anyone else. I read recently that, that if you want to know what you love, look at what you give attention to. There are a whole lot of us that love TV a lot, right? Or food or entertainment. Third, the third commandment is that because we respect God, we treat God's name with respect. Fourth, we keep the Sabbath holy. So, and it's not just a matter of saying, well, I don't go buy groceries or mow the grass. It's that I take time to be still and be quiet and commune with God. 
So the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. And the next six, well, those deal with our relationships with God's children. Also, on the, the fifth, we honor our parents. The sixth, no murder. Seventh, no adultery. Eighth, no stealing. The ninth, no false witness. That is, no lying, no fake news, gossip. Tenth, no coveting. Now, coveting is not just envy. It's, it's where you not only say, oh, I sure do like that. You try to get it from them to deprive your neighbor of something that's not yours but theirs. All of these really have to do with freeing ourselves from, you could say, freeing ourselves from bondage to sin. You remember the commandments start with God saying that I brought Israel out of, out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt. It's because we've been brought out of bondage to sin in sinful ways that we are free to have these new kinds of relationships with God and with God's people. So remembering that God is always with us, not just watching us, but watching over us, not just judging our behavior, but loving and forgiving us. Let us live into that knowledge. Let us devote ourselves to this goal, to act, to speak, to even think in ways that are pleasing to God, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Guide, our Friend. Thanks be to God. In this season of Lent, may God unsettle us. May God increase in us that nagging feeling that came, comes from honest awareness of the difference between the life we lead and the life God calls us to lead. So now may the Holy Spirit transform us in newness. May the love of God uphold you, the light of Christ guide you, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit fill you with joy, now and forever. Amen.